Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7, it says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So we went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first... Anybody else find the word of God like amusing at times? Like she's like, I'm just going to go home and die. And he goes, yeah, great, no problem. Don't be afraid. Just first give me everything you have. He says, make, make me a small loaf of bread and to what you, what you, with what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I, I, I want to I speak from this story in the Old Testament on the subject of multiplication. I believe everything that God wants to do in your life and everything that he wants to increase in your life is not just addition and subtraction, but God really wants to bring you into multiplication. Our economy is addition and subtraction. God's economy is multiplication. And God's plan for us is every good thing, the Bible says every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. We have a good Father who gives good gifts. And God's plan for us, his desire for us, is that every good thing that we have is to, for it to be multiplied. For it to be multiplied, there is an art or there are rules or there is a code that is in the word of God of how you see multiplication in your life. So we're going to be talking from this passage uh, about a subject that is sure to make any loud, charismatic church quiet. All right? There, there are two things. There's two things. I'll just give you a little riddle, see if you can figure it out. There's two things that we all want. There's two things that we rarely admit and that we can't talk about in church. Sex and money. It's like, those are the two things, it doesn't matter how loud this church is, you, 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 some of you are like, man, this church is loud. Don't worry, today it will be quiet. Because there's a couple subjects you can hit and everything goes silent. It's like the Pentecostal just went Baptist. I mean, just like, like that. It's just talking about money or sex, and, and, and some of you, your day is going to get even worse because we're not talking about sex. You're like, I got a 50-50 chance. And so, no, it's, 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 it's we're going to talk about money. More importantly, we're going to talk about what money has. Or maybe I should say it this way, the place that money has in our life. Did you know that our culture is consumed with materialism? 
Our, our culture is so consumed with the who's who and what we have and who has what that we have no idea even how to manage our own life, our own resources, our own finances. And throughout the entire word of God, God is after one thing, and it's the same. He is after our heart. It doesn't change. It, 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 it never shifts. It never transfers to something else. All throughout the word of God, God is after our heart. Now, the problem is that our heart is wrapped up in a lot of things. And so in order to, un to get our heart, God usually has to go through some things. And so today, I wanna, I wanna talk about uh, some, some elements of generosity and some elements from the word of God about giving. Now, now, here's the deal. At this church, we believe in the word of God. We, we, we believe in the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. And we will never back away from what the Word of God says, no matter if it's uncomfortable, no matter if it's not politi politically correct or culturally popular, we will not back away from what the Word of God says. This is our true north. This is the plumb line. This is what directs our life. And to rob you of principles in the Word of God is to do you a disservice. And there's many churches that, that, that feel like uncomfortable talking about money. Did you know that 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 the Bible talks about money all the time? That if you did a word study in your Bible on the word believe, you would find it 272 times. It's good. If you did a word study on pray, 371 times. If you did a word study on love, 714 times. If you did a word study on give, 2,152 times in your Bible. But it's one of the most least talked about subjects in the church. The Bible talks about it more than any other subject, and we talk about it the least. You know what? I believe that is a disservice to you. Because giving, let me just say it this way. God does not need your resources. I mean, it's not like God's like, man, this is a tight month. Like, people have been really hard on the earth, and like, we got to like, we got to put some stuff together. I mean, God, God's not stressing about paying the light bill. Like the sun's looked a little dim lately, global warming and all. You know, he's like, he's, he's not stressing out about it. Giving is not for him. Giving is for us. In fact, we are most like God when we're giving. The most popular scripture in the Bible, John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved, and we love the love part, but what did he do when he loved? He gave. Giving and loving are synonymous. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. They go together. They're connected. They're, they're one with you. If you love someone, you'll give to someone. I remember when my wife and I, when we were dating, and, um, and, and I was falling in love, and, and I love her, and, and I, like, I didn't have much money, but I wanted to give. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to I act like I have a lot of money, and, uh, and, and I want to get her nice things. And so I would sell things. And in fact, to this day, the ring that's on her finger uh, was my jet ski. Was, and we love that jet ski, but I loved her more. And so, uh, so the jet ski got the ring, and it was worth it. Um, I still miss it a little bit, but just, you know. Um, but be, when there is love... There is a natural byproduct of generosity. Some people say, I gotta try to be generous. I gotta try to be generous. Did you know if you fell in love with something, you would give to it? You can actually look at your spending for the last month and you can see what you love. 
in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. It's like, okay, we get it. You love in and out. Like, you can look and you can decide, like, really for anybody, the things that they love, the things that they're drawn to, the things that they invest in, the things that they give their resources to. God is a giver. He's given to us, and what he requires from us is that we give to him. Our worship is a way that we give to God. It's our response. When we worship just now, it wasn't us just singing a song to sing a song. It is our worship to God that is a response to everything that he gave to us. We don't worship to get something. We worship because he's God. We worship because of the grace and the goodness that he has reached and bestowed to each and every one of us. So our worship is response. God's given us so much, we love him, so we give back to him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says this. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. So it says that there's a connection between my treasure and my heart. Like, oh man, God's just after my money. Actually, let me just say it this way. God doesn't really care about your money. Unless your money has you. That, that's what, he doesn't care about you having stuff. He cares about your stuff having you. If you can't, if you can't in, in, in the priority list of your life, you can't get rid of something to honor God, then that thing's got to go because that thing has now made itself a priority above God. And in our culture, everything pulls from that materialistic place in our heart to make us say we have to have this or we need to live this way. And we extend ourselves so much that there is no place of generosity. There is no place of giving. And we are bound not by the principles of the word of God. We're bound by cultural relevance or by the Joneses or by what we need to be or what we think we should be. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, it says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is what I found to be true, is you will either serve God and use money, or you'll serve money and use God. This, this is how it works. Money is not evil. Somebody say, oh, money is evil. You know all the people that don't have money think money's evil. Right? I have never met someone with money that's like, oh, money's awful. It's the people that don't that look at the people that do and like, you sinners, you have money. If you had it, you'd change your theology. You You would. It's just the people, the, the, that, that poverty place looks with a place of cynical thinking or criticism on people that do. But this is the problem, is that everything that God gives us is to be used for his kingdom. That when he gives us, the reason, the scripture is clear on this, that when he gives us increase or he gives us wealth, it is actually to increase his kingdom. It is to create opportunities and avenues for people that are far from God to come close to God. That is why. God blesses people so that they can be generous with what he blesses them with. And you will either serve him and use money as a resource. Money is not evil. We said this, it's neutral. It can be bad or it can be good. You can use money to do great things. And you can use money to do bad things. Money is not the problem. It's our heart. It's, it's our heart. It's our place of dependence or trust. This is what I found specifically with finances is that people, people have two problems. Either one, they have heard or they have had their trust broken by someone that's misappropriated finances, right? So I won't give to a church because so-and-so in 1997, right? We got, we got that. There's those, those, and it's true. It's real. It's, it stuff's really happened. That's one. The other side of this is that we just really don't believe that the Bible is true. 
We just, did you know the Bible is so clear? I mean, it's, we argue for months on Facebook on things that are gray, but we neglect some things that are like black and white. It's like crystal clear. And we say, ah, I don't know what he meant by that. You know, this might be Old Covenant. It might be Old Testament. It might be, it, 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 we're, 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 the things that God's like so clear on, but it's uncomfortable to us, we think, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it really applies. Then the things that are gray, we will like argue. Like we'll we, we just, we'll we post. And it's, it's amazing how bold people are behind keyboards, isn't it? It's like, man, they'll just tell you how it is. And, and, and you see them face to face and just smile. It's like, you got anything to say? Nothing. It's just, it's just Facebook. It's evil. Uh, the test of who you serve is really in who you obey. We can say, I serve God. But do you obey finances or do you obey God? I serve God. Who do you obey? It is, it's proven. It's proven in who you obey. There's a couple things from this story, and, and I love the Old Testament. I like the, all of the types and shadows and the symbols and, and, and all of this. And in this story in the Old Testament, I find it even humorous at times. But there's some keys that I want us to pull from, especially when we look at money and we look at finances, resources, and the condition of our heart. And the first thing is our perspective. Our perspective of money, how we see it. I want you to see this. We read this. It says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. The man of God said, could I have some bread? She says, I do not have any bread. Only, only, this is how, we got to be smarter when we're negotiating with God. You know, it's like, this is like the other, there's another widow in the, in the same book. She says, what do you have in your house? And she goes, nothing except for, wait, yeah. <laughs> Moses, do you have what it takes to lead? Yeah, I, I don't have anything, God. I don't know. What's in your hand? Uh, it's, it's a stick. That'll work. I mean, it's like, God's, it's not like he's an idiot, you know? It's like, we think we can, like, trick him, like, I don't have it. What's in your hand? Oh, that. That surprised me as well. This is, this is what the man of God says. He says, hey, could you make me some bread? She's like, I, I have all the ingredients. I don't have any bread. So he's like, yeah, could you go like stir it up and make it? Because you have, see, this is the way that we look. Our perspective of finances is that everything is harvest. But what God's given us is not harvest, it's seed. What he gave her, what she had was the ingredients. It, it, it was what it would take to build it. It was what it would take to create it. It was what it would take to bake it. And so the man God says, I, I, I need some bread. And she's like, all I got is the ingredients. He said, that, yep, that'll work. That, that, that'll do. Just, just stir it up, make a little piece of bread, and just be good. Our perspective of money is so skewed by cultural relevance. What I mean by that is that she said that she was living in lack, yet she still had something. Many of us, our perspective of lack is, 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 is not really accurate. It's what we feel in a, in a felt need at the moment. Be careful that your perspective of what you don't have is not blinding you from what you do have. Sometimes we'll talk about what we don't have, but, but then we won't even see what we actually do have. Say, well, I don't have this, but you have the seeds to get that. Because everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. Do you know every time you worship, you're sowing? Every time you serve on a lead team, you're sowing. Every time you give an offering, you're sowing. Every time you tithe, you're sowing. Every time you love your brother, you're sowing. Every time you give back in any way, anytime you go to love our city, you're sowing. Every time that you give, it's a seed. 
We are harvest-minded. God is seed-minded. The economy of heaven is not built on harvest. It is built on seed. It is built on sowing. So when you look at what you have and you say, this is all I got, this is, and we start to hoard. This is all I got. This is all I ever had. But if you saw all of that as seed for what you could have, it would change your perspective. Your perspective. Our perspective should be that God will use what we have to provide for what we need. God will use what we have to provide for what we need. The second thing that's interesting in this story is, 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 is that I want to talk about is our perspective but also our priority. And this is probably where we need to spend the most time because this is really what God cares about. He cares about the priority of where we put these things in our life. He wants to be number one. God just doesn't negotiate on this thing. He wants to be number one. And so that's why he goes after the treasure. That's why he goes after your finances. Because he knows better than we do what is number one. We can say all day, like, oh, God, you're number one. You're number one. You're number one. You're number one. Number one when? Like on Sundays? Or like every day? Or like weekends? Financially? Emotionally? Relationally? Like where is, where is he? He wants to be number one everywhere. And it says this in verse 13, and this is the thing I, I find a little humorous. Elijah said to her, after she said, like, all I have is enough to bake some bread for my son and I, and then we will die. He goes, all right, don't be afraid. Like, okay. <laughs> Go home and do as you have said. Awesome. Thank you, man of God. Then he adds on. He says, but first, first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have. Bring it to me. He doesn't even go to the house. He's just like, he's just out there in the courtyard, you know, like, hey, I know you're going to die. <laughs> Too bad. Like, it's crazy. Um, before you do, just make me up a little piece of banana bread or something. Like, just bring it on over, and I'm just going to, like, um, I'll, just, I'll just eat it out here. Just go ahead and bring it to me. You know, she's, like, walking back to the house like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is unfortunate. She, he says, first. First, but before you do anything else, do this. See, there's a principle in the word of God about first, about the things that are first. The Bible talks, and we believe as a church, in the principle of tithing. Some people have thrown this out because they believe it's Old Testament, and I'll show you a scripture about that that, that might challenge some of your belief on that. But, but well, we believe tithing. Tithing means tenth. It also means another definition is test. And this is what God has established all throughout Scripture, even in the New Testament, is that people would give a 10%, 10% tithe of their income, any type of increase, and that would go into the storehouse or into the church or into the place where they are fed. So if you go to a different church, it wouldn't be here. If you're watching online, it would be the church that you go to. If this is your church, it would be this church. Wherever you feed from, that's the place that you would sow into, right? Proverbs says this. It says in chapter 3, verse 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. That means increase. Anytime God increases to you, you get a bonus. You sell a house. God, you get paid. Anytime there's increase, he says, then you're on the Lord with your wealth. Give him the first fruits. Give him the best. Give him the tenth. Give him the first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats We'll brim over with new wine. Then, now this is interesting. Most people have bought into this theology that we give to God so that we can get something from God. But that's the wrong theology. Why would God ever enforce 
something that he's also trying to break. Now, I'll show this. To, to give to get enforces my selfishness. Because the reason I'm giving is to receive. So it increases or it enforces a character quality that God actually is trying to break in me. So I don't give to get. I give to give. I give because God's blessed me. I give because God saved me. I give because God's given me something. So I give to give. But every time I give, God rewards. I don't give to be rewarded, but God does reward every time I give. I want my boys to obey because they need to obey. But there are many times that because they obey, I reward them. But if their obedience is only based on the reward, there is a reward-based obedience. That's how many people give generously. We have reward-based generosity. Let's try to tithe this month and see if God will give us something. Let's try to give something here, see if God will get us some. No, you need to give with no strings attached. We give because we want to give. We give to give. We give because we are blessed. Now, in, in, in Malachi chapter 3, and it has this passage of scripture, and I, and I love this because this is one of the most contested scriptures in the Bible. It talks about the tithe. And anybody, you know, it's like it's funny that we contest the scripture that talks about tithing because it really proves God's point. Right? That like money has our heart. And he says this, and it's almost like God knew how we would be. Because this is how it starts out. In, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. That's how he starts. Now, if you know this scripture, the biggest argument against the scripture is that this scripture now doesn't apply. Because God changed. Right? So he starts out with, um, hey, guys, I know you're going to be doing this because money really rules in your life and he's on the throne of your life and that's cool, but I don't change. Not in Old Covenant, not in New Covenant, I am not changing. And he says this, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how? How do we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Pause. I had somebody email me one time uh, because they said, Pastor, we don't like it when you say that we're under a curse. And I'm like, I literally just read the Bible. <laughs> like, can we not even do that anymore? Like, that's all I... Anyways... You are under a curse. Malachi, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Verse 10 says, bring, same thing that Elijah said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the Bible says this, the only time in the Bible it tells you to do this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The tithe is a test of who we trust with our lives. When you tithe, when you give that 10%, it is saying, God, before, I've ever, before I see any other increase, I'm giving you the first of my increase, which is saying I trust you. Because it's easier to tithe like at the end of the month, right? Like, oh, praise God, we got 10% left over. That's not trust. I, when I tithe in the beginning, I'm setting a precedent that says, God, I don't know what else is coming. 
I don't know what bills are going to come. I don't know if my car is going to break down. I don't know if I'm But I'm setting the precedent right now, and I'm declaring, I trust you. And when you do that, this is what this woman did. She says she gave him, even though this was like she didn't have that much, she gave him the first. She gave him the first part of it. Tithing does a couple things. Tithing breaks the curse of the world. We talked about the curse in Malachi chapter 3. It breaks that curse. It breaks my dependence on money. When I tithe, it makes my decision. I will not be bound by money. I will not be bound by material possessions. I break that dependence on money. And it breaks the selfishness in me. Man, it's difficult. But it breaks. It breaks that selfishness in me. We don't give our tithe. We bring it. Because we can't give what's not ours. So we say, I think I'll give God. Oh, that was a good worship song. I might give God something. Oh, pastor, that was a decent message. I might give the church something. No, no, no. This is not about, this is not about what, you, what you give. God gave you. This is what we return. This is what we bring. He says, you trust me. All I'm asking for is 10%. And I will do more with your 90 than you can do with your 100. That's the promise of God. He says, I will bless your 90. I will bless that 90%. I will throw open the gates of heaven, the doors. I will bless you abundantly. But you got to trust me first. Oh, so I give God so that he'll bless me? No, I still give out of obedience, and I give to give. But as a result of my obedience, there is a blessing that follows. Some people say, well, you know, I, I know God doesn't change, but it still is Old Testament. It is Old Covenant. Let me just give you a scripture in the New Testament, just in the mouth of Jesus, just kind of help you. Uh, Matt, everybody believe in Jesus? Cool. Like, if Jesus told you to tithe, would you tithe? Don't answer it. It's incriminating. Matthew 23, verse 23, it says, Woe to you, Jesus is throwing it down, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe. You pay tithe, tenth, ten percent. Same word, of mint and anise and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now listen to this. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Without leaving what undone? Paying the tithe. You should have done these. He's just saying, he's saying that tithing's elementary. He said, justice and mercy, you shouldn't neglect these things, but you should have been doing those and. God likes to just raise the bar, doesn't he? He's like, man, I'm trying, I was trying to love justice. And he's like, yeah, and you need to do this. Like, there needs to be, there needs to be, because God wants our heart. God, God wants our heart. Our priority should be God first above everything as a declaration of trust that he is our provider. I was at Love Our City yesterday in Wiley at the adopted block, and I was talking to a lady that goes there, and, and uh, she started sharing some of her story. And uh, she said that she was going through a really difficult time. She uh, lost her job, and this is almost 20 years ago. She lost her job and uh, didn't have any way to pay her bills. She was getting unemployment, and that was the way she was kind of making it by, and she was believing God for a new job. And she felt one day, like the Holy Spirit began to speak to her, that she was supposed to tithe. So she said, oh, okay, God, like as soon as you provide this job, I'm going to tithe. And then she felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to her again and says, no, I want you to tithe now. She's like, off my unemployment? And the Holy Spirit said, yes, off your increase. She said 20 years ago she started tithing. And she, her words to me was, Dustin, I've never looked back. He said, God is, she said, God has blessed me. 
abundantly. If you knew this, if you knew this person, you would know God has blessed her abundantly. She has helped finance a lot of the things in the church now. God has, I mean, I'm telling you, God's hand of blessing is on her. And she says, it started 20 years ago when I said, I'm not, I'm going to stop straining of trying to make it on my own. And I'm going to decide, God, I'm going to trust you. So here's the 10%. As a declaration of trust, and now I'm going to believe you to do something. I'm going to give you, this is all I got. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give it as a first. I'm going to give it as a tithe, and now I'm going to trust you. And now this is, this is, this is where we'll close today, because our priority leads to our provision. Our provision. This is what the scripture says. We read verse 15. It says, she went away, and she did as Elijah had told her. I'm going to tell you right now, our life would be a lot better if we just did. Like, didn't like talk, didn't debate, didn't, like, let's just do what God said. Anyways, so there was food every day for Elijah. There was food every day. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. She obeyed. She followed through. She gave away her first without knowing if there would be more. And most theologians believe that she lived off that jar of oil for years. One decision to put God first. And God began to increase to her. God began to pour out blessing. Can I just say this? Is God's blessing doesn't always look dollar for dollar. I tithe and now I'm going to get a financial Do you know what there's more important things than money? Like peace, like freedom, like legacy. There's more important things than, okay, I'm going to give $10 to the church. I'm God, I'm, wait, where's my $10? Where's my $10? Like, that's, that's not how this works. God knows what you need before you need it. God sees the entirety of who you are, and God's plan for you is not to be 85% free, not to be 72% free, not to be just like somewhat restored, not to be, no, God's plan is for you to be completely restored, completely healed, completely blessed, completely walking in freedom. That's God's plan. And that plan is activated when we activate multiplication. Multiplication is activated when we just put his principles into place and says, and she did what, the, what Elijah had said. And God began to bless her. It takes faith to believe that 90% blessed is better than 100% cursed. I know I said that cursed word again, so just like, not a cursed word, but you know, you got it. I was reading a story about a pastor, um, real popular pastor, Rick Warren, and I was reading a little bit about his journey and, uh, through his life. And I found that, that he made a decision early on when he's barely making any money that he was going to tithe. And so he decided, we're going to give 10%. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're just going to, we, I, we can't afford it. We're just going to do it. And they did it. God blessed him that year. Not a lot, but God blessed him. They were able to make it through. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to give 11% next year. So they went up to 11%. The next year, he went up to 13%. Next year, he increased it again. He increased it again. He increased it again. God continued to bless him. He wrote the purpose-driven life, which is in the, in, in the world, is the second highest-selling book in history, in nonfiction, in the second, second largest-selling book in history next to the Bible. The purpose-driven life. You can imagine that probably 
paid a little bit. Somewhat. Right now, he lives off 9% of his income, and he gives 91% away. He's never taken a dollar from the royalties of the purpose-driven life. He's given all of that profit away. So he's living off 9% of something else and giving 91% away as well as, oh man, he must be hurting. No, he's not. He's doing really good on 9%. Like probably better than you're doing on 100 No offense. (laughs) What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that when we put God as the priority, so is this really about money? It's about money because money is connected to our heart. But God's really, he's after our heart. He wants every part of us. Do you know how much trust it takes? People say, well, I'll start tithing when I I make a little bit more money. No, you won't. If you can't do it off the $100 right now, you are not going to do it when you're making 100 grand. I talked to someone after this last service, and they said, Pastor, you're so right. God has blessed us so abundantly. For us, a tithe is a lot of money. They said, we just started in January for the first time in our lives deciding that we're going to do it no matter what. And you know what? It still hurts every time we write that check, but we've decided that God will be the first. I'm like, I was so moved. They said, man, if God said it, I'm going to believe it. We are going to, we are going to walk in this. A tithe is not a tip. It's a declaration. It's establishing of priority and a declaration of trust. It's not a tip to God. It's not something over at the top. It's not an extra. It's a declaration of my trust in God. People say, some people say, you know, I really can't afford to tithe. Let me just say it this way. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing breaks the curse. It, it, it's, it's not going to work until you work it. Because working it is the thing that works. Does that make sense? It's just like, I'm going to wait till it, I have enough. No, no. In doing it, you release blessing on your life. Tithers, anybody that's tithing in this room, don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Put a call. Tithers, I'm gonna, this is what they consistently say. If you ask them, if you talk to them, you find somebody. And maybe you can find someone in the church if you're thinking about this and say, hey, do you tithe? Tithers consistently say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Non-tithers consistently say, I can't afford to tithe. It's the same answer. I've been doing this for years. It's the same answer. Tithers say, I'm so blessed. Non-tithers say, I can't afford to tithe. I wonder if there's a correlation or a connection between those two things. I'll tell you this. God wants your heart. He wants you to so rely on him so that he can bless you. He doesn't need part of you. I used this example earlier today. If if my car broke down and I brought half my car into the body shop, and I'm like, could you just like get this thing back tip-top shape? Like, where's the rest of the car? Like, just do what you can, man. This is what what we do to God. This is what we do to God. It's like, God, here's, here's a little part. Like, see if you can like really make my life amazing. He's like, I need all of it to fix all of it. I need all of it to be able to restore all of it. I need all of it in order to release, to bless, to assign all of it. I need all of you. God wants all of your heart. He he wants all of it. And this is how much we believe in this. And I've I've been saying this for years. And every time, like, our board is kind of like, don't don't say that. But I say it anyways because they love me and they know my heart. This is how much we believe in this. If you think, like, oh, that was a great message and that guy wants me to tithe to our church. This is what I would say to you. This is how much I believe in this principle. God's our provider. 
So this is what I would challenge you. Tithe to a different church. There's a bunch of great churches in Allen that are right around here. Tithe to them. They're going to be so happy. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, where is this? Who are these people coming from? Like, seriously, tie to them because the principle works. It's a principle. It's not for the church. It's for you. Giving is for you. It is not for the recipient. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want to be a blesser. I want to be a giver. I want to be full of generosity. I want to be able to bless. I want to be able to fund. I want to be able to advance the kingdom of God. I want that for me, and I want it for you. Giving is for us. That's what it is. Giving is for us. The woman in this story she lived off the leftovers of what she gave better than she would have lived off what she originally had. It's crazy. God's leftovers are better than my best. God's leftovers are better than my best. I want to pray for you today. I know this is a sensitive subject and people, you know, it gets quiet and all that kind of stuff. But I love you. I believe in you. I'm going to tell you this as your pastor. We will always preach the unadulterated word of God, whether it's comfortable, whether people like it or not, because it's truth. And the Bible says that the truth is what sets us free. Not what we want to hear. Not what makes us feel good. Not, I mean, I can preach a lot of things that just make you feel great. But listen, it's obedience. It's obedience to God's law, to his principles. As we step in, there is a grace that accompanies that step of obedience and it releases the blessing of God, not just on our finances, on our families. You know what? My marriage is blessed. And I don't think it's just because we've worked at it and we had good mentors. I think it's because we've put God first. And that means in our finances. Do you know that our entire staff, they, they tithe? Well, that kind of makes sense. Couldn't you pay them 10% less? And then they wouldn't. No, we believe in the principle. It has to be in their hands, and they have to release it back because it's the principle. Every single person on this staff, they tithe. All our board members, they tithe. 10% of the income. Every time there's increase, they give because we believe in the principle. It's, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, Pastor, we could just pay you 10% less. And then you wouldn't have to go through. No, no, it has to come into my possession because it has to be my declaration of trust that I say, I believe God is my provider. I believe, I trust that he can do more with my 90 than I can do with the 100. And that's what God wants to do for you today. Would you stand up with me? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.